Chapter 12 of The Wife of the Secretary of State This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Lincoln Brooks The Wife of the Secretary of State by Ella Middleton Tybout. Isabel, remarked Mrs. Redmond to Miss Bird as the latter entered the library, don't ever marry a member of the cabinet. Why not? inquired Miss Bird. You seem to get a good deal of pleasure out of it. It's the awful question of precedence at dinner and things said mrs redmond vaguely her white forehead puckered ominously i literally quake all over when we do our duty and invite the diplomats for fear i will somehow blunder suppose now i should happen to put the premier of the corps in the middle of the table as a centerpiece suggested isabel laughing he might be very effective i should think you know what i mean and they are always being recalled or dying or changing somehow it is enough to turn one's hair white oh estelle said isabel laughing again this from you and i know you absolutely revel in your position because of the way you can chatter in foreign languages you would not change places with any woman living and you know it mrs redmond became suddenly grave i declare to you isabel she said earnestly if John would resign and take me out west somewhere, on a ranch, I think, away from it all, I believe I would be the happiest woman in the world. Well, I like it, replied Isabel, as she sank into a comfortable low chair and removed her gloves. I like rubbing elbows with other nations and meeting all sorts of interesting people, although it does make me realize sometimes what a very insignificant person Miss Isabel Bird is, after all. My elbows are already sore from too much rubbing, remarked Mrs. Redmond ruefully, and they both laughed. What magnificent orchids! exclaimed Isabel suddenly. Whence, Estelle? Count Valdemir, returned Mrs. Redmond briefly, adding emphatically, I dislike orchids as much as one can dislike a flower. Count Valdemir, repeated Isabel, as she pulled a blossom or so into greater prominence. He of the waxed mustache and sphinx-like smile. I think, Estelle, I dislike Count Valdemir as much as one can dislike a man, and sometimes that means a lot. He dines here tonight, remarked Mrs. Redmond as she crossed the room and stood looking at the girl as she sat in the low chair, with the sunlight touching her hair lovingly and turning it into burnished gold. Isabel's hair was her father's pride, and the chronic despair of her aunt, as it would not lend itself to any prescribed form of coiffure, but rebelliously put forth curling tendrils where least expected, as though laughing at the bare idea of restraint. Mrs. Chesley had been heard to say, during the chrysalis period of her niece's development, that her red hair and pug-nose were calamities which might be borne with pious resignation, were it not for the wayward spirit which accompanied them, and from which she was a daily sufferer. 
time indeed had shaped the inquiring nose into a piquant and most attractive appendage and had softened the hue of the objectionable tresses into a rich red gold the delight of artists but mrs chesley was of the opinion that the ungovernable spirit merely smouldered and might be roused at short notice mrs redmond sat down upon the arm of the chair and her eyes involuntarily followed the ray of light cast by the diamond upon the plump white hand lying lightly in the girl's lap it was a very handsome diamond and compelled attention so mrs redmond thought almost obtrusively mr rivers she said slowly has regretted yes replied isabel quietly he had another engagement he was very sorry estelle redmond turned suddenly and took her friend's face between her hands looking earnestly into the gray eyes which clouded a little and failed to respond to her affectionate gaze with their customary frankness why did you do it she said impulsively tell me isabel why does anybody want to get married returned isabel laughing impatiently and turning her head away from the inquiring eyes why did you do it yourself for that matter ah said mrs redmond quickly that's different she looked involuntarily towards a photograph of her husband and rising placed it further back on the mantel where it was in no danger of falling touching it gently and relinquishing it half regretfully while the girl watched her curiously estelle she said almost timidly did you love him that way before you were married or did it come later ah no she continued hastily as her companion was about to reply don't tell me i don't think i want to know but you do love your husband more and more all the time estelle don't you yes said mrs redmond softly more and more every day and are you happy married happier than when you were a girl aunt mary says that every right-minded woman i am happy interrupted mrs redmond speaking quickly and emphatically so happy isabel that i would be quite willing to give up all chance of heaven hereafter in order to preserve my heaven upon earth i don't quite understand estelle i mean said mrs redmond speaking to the picture on the mantel rather than to the girl listening wide-eyed in the low chair i mean that i possess the love and respect of a good man and there is nothing in the world i would not do rather than to lose it but estelle interrupted isabel in a puzzled voice of course you expect your husband to love and respect you every woman does i don't understand and please god you never will said mrs redmond earnestly adding cheerfully and now my solemn mood has gone it was all your fault anyhow for getting engaged so quietly that you stole a march even on me let me see your ring and how about mr lee isabel and others i could mention isabel turned her ring slowly around her finger and watched the diamond as it caught the light estelle she said gravely i think i'd like to tell you something about mr lee isabel did not reply at once she rested her chin on her hand and gazed straight before her a troubled look in her gray eyes and a serious expression about the lips usually so prone to curve into infectious smiles displaying captivating little dimples where least expected 
"'Well,' said Mrs. Redmond, after waiting some minutes in silence. "'One afternoon,' began Isabel slowly. "'I was in the library, at home, in the curtained alcove, you know.' Mrs. Redmond nodded and drew up her chair. "'I know,' she said. "'Well,' resumed Isabel, with an evident effort, "'I think I must have fallen into a doze, "'for I don't remember anything especial "'until I heard voices in the library.' It was Father and Mr. Rivers, and they seemed to have been talking a long time. The first thing I heard distinctly was Mr. Rivers saying very positively, I believe Lee is the guilty man. And then, Estelle, of course, I waked right up and listened with all my might. Of course, assented Mrs. Redmond. Father said doubtfully, The secretary has every confidence in him. And Mr. Rivers said, That doesn't prove anything. A child could pull wool over his eyes if it wanted to. Mr. Rivers did not know what he was talking about, remarked Mrs. Redmond indignantly, but Isabel continued her story without noticing the interruption. They talked a long time, and I gathered that an important paper had been stolen from the State Department. Father said Mr. Lee was certainly responsible, and that decisive steps of some sort ought to be taken at once, and Mr. Rivers— Mrs. Redmond had turned her head so that her face was in the shadow. Well, she said almost sharply, what did Mr. Rivers say? He said, replied Isabel gravely, that he had been having Mr. Lee watched. Shadowed was the word. It sounds horrid, doesn't it? It certainly does, agreed Mrs. Redmond with a little shiver, and that he hoped matters would soon be brought to a climax. And when he said that, Estelle, I think I hated him. Go on, said Mrs. Redmond briefly. There was a good deal more, continued Isabel reflectively, and presently father said he thought he could test Mr. Lee that very afternoon, as he expected him on some business for the secretary. He suggested that they make up a bundle of blank papers and label it Rooschuk, then let them lie on the table and leave Mr. Lee alone in the room. Father said he felt sure the papers would remain untouched, but Mr. Rivers thought not. I know it was not very honorable to listen to all this, but I couldn't help it, Estelle. I just couldn't. I felt angry that they should suspect Mr. Lee or anyone else of such a thing, and I wanted to stay there myself and watch to prove that they were wrong and then tell them just what I thought of them. You understand, don't you? Yes, dear, I understand. Well, resumed the girl with heightened color, they fixed up the papers and smoked a while without saying anything, and then all at once Mr. Rivers began talking about me, saying he wanted to marry me. I was so surprised I nearly tumbled out of the alcove and spoiled everything, and I almost wish I had. I wish so too, Isabel. Father said, went on Isabel hurriedly, how pleased he would be and all that sort of thing, and then the doorbell rang and they went upstairs. It was Mr. Lee, and he came into the library and sat down by the table with those miserable papers right under his nose. After a while he saw them. Mrs. Redmond was leaning forward now, listening intently to every word, a curious light in her blue eyes. Go on, she said breathlessly, go on. He picked them up 
and turned them over and over and studied the outside wrapper. It had Ruschuk Confidential printed very large on it in red ink. I could see it distinctly. He kept on turning them over doubtfully, and then, Estelle, he looked hastily behind him and put them in his pocket. <gasps> Mrs. Redmond leaned back in her chair as though the tension had suddenly relaxed. Just then, continued Isabel, father sent for Mr. Lee, and I could come out. I felt the way I used to feel as a child when I had been swinging too long, all light-headed and giddy, you know, with everything blurry. It's a horrid sensation. Well, I sat there in father's chair and thought it all over, and the more I thought, the sorrier I felt for Mr. Lee. Although he had proved himself dishonorable, I did not want father and Mr. Rivers to know it, and after all, it was only a bundle of blank papers, and there was no great harm done. And so, Estelle, I made up another package and printed Rustchuk Confidential on it, just like the first. Father taught me how to print, and you can't tell my letters from his. You made another package, said Mrs. Redmond incredulously. Oh, yes, replied Isabel in a tired voice. It was quite easy. I despise Mr. Lee, of course, and have a contempt for him, but it is not necessary that anybody else should know. Mrs. Redmond put her hand gently upon the bright hair. Poor little Isabel, she said softly. Just as I got them fixed, resumed Isabel quietly, Mr. Rivers came in and looked at the table, and there was the bundle exactly as he put it, staring him right in the face. Then he saw me, and the first thing I knew, he was asking me to marry him, and I said, I would, Estelle, because it seemed to me I might as well do that as anything. Mrs. Redmond had crossed the room and stood looking out over the broad avenue with compressed lips and moist lashes. Is that all? she inquired, but without turning around. No, said Isabel hesitatingly, not quite. It was that stormy Thursday when you were ill and could not dine with us. You remember, don't you? Perfectly, Isabel. Well, after I was dressed, it occurred to me I might go to Mr. Lee and ask him to give back those papers, and perhaps he would explain why he took them. I thought I had plenty of time before dinner, and it was only kind to warn him about the shadowing. Anyhow, I went. "'You went alone to Mr. Lee's lodgings?' exclaimed Mrs. Redmond, turning from the window in genuine astonishment. "'Isabel!' "'Yes,' said the girl quietly, "'and I wish from the bottom of my heart I had stayed at home.' She paused uncertainly and looked anxiously at her companion. "'This is very confidential, Estelle,' she said with a little quiver in her voice, "'but I must talk to someone, and Aunt Mary never understands things.' I have been so worried. Mrs. Redmond drew the chair closer and sat down quietly, taking Isabel's hand in hers, caressingly. Tell me all about it, dear, she said gently. John says I'm a good listener. Then we will talk the whole thing over and see what it is best to be done. You are such a comfortable friend, returned Isabel gratefully, and I feel it is so safe to talk to you. Where was I? You had started for Mr. Lee's lodgings, said Estelle, her voice a little mechanical and her eyes still following the flashing of the diamond upon the hand resting confidingly in hers. Well, resumed Isabel, just before I got to the house, Mr. Lee himself came down the steps and turned in the opposite direction. 
Of course, I called to him, but he didn't hear me, and I tried to catch up with him, but he walked too quickly for me. It was blowing and raining, and the streets were slippery. I had never been out alone at night before, and I was awfully afraid, but I kept on following him, scarcely knowing what I was doing. And, oh, Estelle, he went... Yes, said Mrs. Redmond breathlessly, as she paused a moment. Where? Isabel, where? A sudden rustle of stiff silk became evident in the hall, and a decided voice said crisply, No, you need not show me the way. I will announce myself. Aunt Mary exclaimed Isabel with an impatient gesture, as Mrs. Chesley sailed into the room with the manner of one confident of her welcome. I was sure I would find Isabel here, she remarked, placidly sinking into the most comfortable chair. You should not let her monopolize so many of your mornings, my dear. I often say to her father that I really don't know what she would do without you. Mrs. Redmond made an appropriate reply, and the conversation drifted into the subjects uppermost in Mrs. Chesley's mind, clothes and servants, while her niece relapsed into a silence she mentally deplored as sullen, and her hostess valiantly endeavored to maintain a courteous and interested manner, in spite of the inopportune arrival of her visitor. End of chapter 12